This podcast has been brought to you by GM Moving, part of Greater Sports. We're here to help the people of Greater Manchester get moving and to improve lives through physical activity. Welcome back. Um, I'm Eve Holt, Strategic Director at GM Moving. So today we're having a conversation around active ageing, so keeping moving as an old person in Greater Manchester. And I'm really pleased to be joined for today's conversation by Beth Mitchell, um, colleague at Greater Sport, Nicola Waterworth um, from Greater Manchester Ageing Hub and the Centre for Ageing, and Jane McDermott. Jane is from Manchester University. So looking forward to today's conversation. I hope you enjoy it too. And over to them. Hi, my name is Beth Mitchell and I work at Great Sport and I lead on Active Aging for Greater Manchester. As part of my role, I uh, deliver and manage the Greater Manchester Active Aging programme and alongside that, I also work to influence our partners and the system um, to embed and integrate physical activity into the day-to-day lives of older people. Um, Nicola Waterworth, I'm the Greater Manchester Partnership Manager for the Centre for Aging Better. So I'm based in the Aging Hub in the Combined Authority. And the role of the Aging Hub is to uh, support uh, Greater Manchester to deliver on the age-friendly strategy for Greater Manchester. Fabulous. And Jane? So I'm Jane McDermott. I'm a member of the Healthy Aging Research Group at the University of Manchester. Um, And I also work within the Policy Research Unit where we advise the Department of Health and Social Care about the lives of older people and what's important to them. And from where I've been sitting, you've been working as an absolutely phenomenal collaborative effort in Greater Manchester. Um, so, you know, and that's from, you know, from me starting at Greater Sport just about nine weeks ago, I think now. Um, wow. Definitely, it was a place where the, you know, the Ageing Hub and Active Ageing and our work at Greater Sport seems to be a really good example of um, people coming together across these sectors to really make a difference in, in people's lives and make it a great place for people to grow older. So can you share a little bit pre covid about how you've been working together and what you've been doing i sit on the um wider aging hub um meeting which is obviously all of the sort of partners to the aging hub coming together to share updates and um what's happening uh, across the sector really and one definitely strengthened the program and the messages um and obviously especially at the minute in terms of um the covid19 response it's definitely amplified in the way we've worked collaboratively to get key messages out um really quickly as well um, and making sure it's a joined up gm approach i think that's the real strength of the, the model in greater manchester is that it is this strategic partnership that brings together all the partners across uh, greater manchester that have an impact on older people's lives um, but also for us as a national charity at center for aging better um, we're able to bring our learning and evidence base but also able to learn new things um, and test new things in Greater Manchester, working with partners like Jane at the universities, but also partners like Beth who are delivering on the ground. So we can really kind of look at what works in creating change and try to amplify and scale that. Fab. So Jane, can you tell us a little bit about the expertise that you bring and I guess why this is such an important agenda um, in GM, but also why it's so important that we're doing it in this way? 
So I think for us, obviously, we're a university research, strong university, and a lot of our work has been sort of at an international level, working with the World Health Organization. Um, but our research was back in 2005 when we did the original trial about why strength and balance was a really critical part of later life. And the reason it's so critical is that it enables us to continue doing things that we really value. And that might be going out to the shops, seeing our friends, going to groups, doing a range of different things that enable us to be independent. So we, 15 years ago, we did that trial at Manchester and we've been taking it all over the world and talking about it in lots of ways. And then of course, because of the unique system that we've now got across GM, it really presents a great opportunity. And I did a piece of work a couple of years back um, with the Centre for Aging Better, where we actually looked at a national picture to try and understand what was happening in communities around strength and balance, where is the evidence? Um, and how can we make sure that people are really engaging it in the right way and delivering it in the right way so that we are really actually improving somebody's later life? Um, and so it was interesting. We learned a lot. We took an appreciative inquiry approach. But what we found was that there were lots of gaps and, and holes. And so we was like, how can we fix that? And so Greater Manchester has some of our the most fantastic examples of practice um, and some really passionate people. So we just want to spread the love, but spread the evidence <laughs> through the love and to make sure that people are doing what we should be doing. So we know what works. We know about things like dose, the language of health, which is around mm. prescriptions and dose. But people don't think about physical activity in that way. They don't think that actually it's certain types of exercise that need to be tailored to make sure that you will then be able to fulfill your later life. Mm. So it's making sure we get that key message across that it is the evidence that we need to make sure people can change their lives and changing the whole conversation, I think, within the health um, arena away from a prescriptive drug arena into a prescriptive physical movement, uh, you know, language, which I think, again, has been a real culture change challenge. But for us, we know what the evidence is. We know that it works. We know it has a huge impact on life. And so as well as enabling older adults getting the right type of community strength and balance programs that are available and should be available and that's as a right you should be able to access those services we're also really interested in the prevention agenda and beth and i have been working really closely for the last sort of six to 12 months looking at well how can we engage younger younger groups and start to think about that midlife when things do start to change for us our muscles start to change mm. our balance does start to change little things start to be affected as we develop or get diagnosed with long-term conditions and start to think about a tailored exercise program so for me strength and balance is the key Strength, mobility, flexibility are the stepping stones into aerobic exercise as well. And so we're starting to think about all, all the different complexities around it and how do we change behaviour? Mm. What conversations need to be happening? You know, what's really, really important to an individual? What did you used to love doing? Well, you can do that again with the right support. So starting with the person. So there was a huge amount there. So from really making sure there's a clear evidence base for what you're doing. Um, and obviously the strength that you bring there as a university and that's clearly benefiting not just people Greater Manchester but you know pioneering and supporting beyond Greater Manchester and um, this real sense of the collaborative work 
um, within this kind of greater managed ecosystem and the opportunity that brings for that sort of systems change that you're talking around there. And the shift in, in the language, which feels really important and, and it's moving from this medicalized perspective to actually the importance of, of moving as one part of how we live well and live longer um, making that available for everybody and then how we absolutely tailor that and recognize that we need to tailor it to people in a person-centered way and that sort of strength-based person-centered approach that you're talking about um, the different needs and the diversity of people that you know just because you're older doesn't mean that you all have the same needs does it really there's a huge diversity amongst that so that's a huge amount already to be doing and then comes covid <laughs> so suddenly none of us planned for it phone into the middle and um you know older people have been definitely sort of high on the agenda in terms of covid but when you talk about language you know language i've heard is a lot around vulnerability about elderly around frailty certainly not the language that um i think generally we're trying to advocate when we're thinking about actually you know what what does this mean to be an older person in gm so can you say a little bit about how have you responded to COVID? What has this looked like for you? Um, it's felt like a very rapid response has come <laughs> from, from your side of uh, yeah, your working together. So what has that response looked like? And what have been some of the maybe challenges, but also what have been the opportunities that have come from that? So can I just, I don't know, pick up from a kind of age in general age in your perspective. Um, I think there were really, there were, it was clear quite early on, but before lockdown, that obviously there was a specific impact on an older population, which kind of would require responses. And I think the strength of the Aging Hub was the network of those people in the kind of age-friendly community in the localities that we could draw on, people like Beth and Jane across all the other agencies that we could quite quickly with a few teething problems like everyone else it was kind of a rapid move to using technology um but once we got over those hurdles kind of bring together and say okay so what's happening what we're hearing from older people and their experiences and, and what are the issues here and i think physical activity being so important to later life for so many reasons which I'll, you know jane's already spoken about it was really clear early on that it would be great to get messages out there through that network that we could get them to um, people at this time and I think that was the strength in what Jay was saying about you know we've got we know, knew where the passion was and the love but we also knew where the evidence was that we could draw on it and it was I mean it was a lovely thing to watch it was like Beth Jane we kind of need this and it just kind of to watch the information be pulled together was was great and really quickly and with my colleagues at the Centre for Aging Better because at the same time I think we were you know doing a tour of kind of national radio stations and saying you know promoting this issue about needing to move and exercise and strength and balance and then see the resources pulled together which we could then that's only as good as getting them out there to people um, and I know that Beth certainly got some information there about sharing about how they have got to people and um, so from our perspective it it just built on all the great work that we've done building the partnership and, and having the evidence and yeah there were challenges and I think there's probably challenges to come that we can come back to as well. Mm. So do you want to say a bit more Beth around so having built that strong network? Yeah um, I think obviously we've developed the active aging program over the last two years and therefore we've got active aging leads who are already present within each of the localities which has enabled uh, pulling information together and getting out to all established networks has been really key 
uh, obviously there was a massive adaptation from going to delivering sessions, whether it be leisure centres, walking for health groups, to then every older person being confined to their own home. And, and obviously the lots of issues rose immediately around digital uh, exclusion. Those that don't have a Wi-Fi connection don't even know what the internet is. Um, and then how do you then start to get you know those messages out to people uh, in a targeted way? So there was a lot around that. And I think through the support of Jane and understanding that actually now more than ever, although myself and Jane have worked for the past uh, number of months on trying to get that evidence base out there and make sure people are, are understanding the you know, forgotten guidelines of strength and balance. Now it became even more critical that one, we was providing that evidence base, but also safe and effective messages that, you know, with the market became you know populated with all different videos fitness uh, providers but actually it was making sure that we were getting the, the right messages out for all the people so we've created um, as an organization great sport created the ways to keep moving um, web page which older adults had a specific section on um, making sure that predominantly was strength and balanced and all evidence-based recommendations that people who were digitally included could take part in and obviously strengths and limitations in terms of exercise and then we worked with the uh that counts um yeah, moving team to produce a specific older adults leaflet real key messages to maintain daily living in the home really really well received uh, i know a lot of localities have pushed that out through community hubs in food packages directed those that are already connected to physical activity services within the borough and i know it, i know from jane's um, messaging that it's been well received nationally as well and a lot of other active partnerships across the country have wanted to utilize that as a resource so it is it's really positive feedback to know that you know our message is being pushed nationally but also we've, we're getting the right messages out there to support people so there's lots there about how you've adapted and yeah the online but also the importance there of having you know a physical leaflet as well because lots of people are talking mm. about how they how do they get these messages and the right messages to people that need them so having that network and thinking about those different ways to do that and how I don't know if um which one of you wants to share but in terms of then the voice of older people at this point um both in getting that feedback to you know is it working what's their experience how are you managing to get the voice of older people in the, in this I guess process and their feedback on what we're currently doing so I mean I could answer that so as an extension from the brilliant booklet um, well leaflet that Beth and your team at, that that counts um, put together um, which is really fantastic first fast at pace piece that we could get out there we've now developed off the back of that a more in-depth booklet which actually has a bit more information and a few more types of exercises that are both seated and standing including warm-ups and cool downs to give a more holistic offer for, for a range of older people and for those that maybe are have long-term conditions and have been advised mm -hmm. to stay at home currently um, and so for us the whole part of that process and getting this together has been working very closely with the Greater Manchester Older People's Network. So we've managed to access all the action group members, really fortunately by phone, but also some by digital, but in different ways to make sure that they are constantly feeding in. So that was including what we were going to, the new booklet called Keeping Well at Home covers a range of different things. So it isn't just limited to movement, but it's also thinking about what we're eating and diet mm. um, and trying to sort of live as healthily, but also thinking about having a good mind and what it takes to sort of remain positive and be grateful for the things in our lives, looking out the window, watching the blossom, them kind of things. And um, just to kind of enable somebody who might suddenly 
suddenly be feeling quite alone. Somebody that was going out a lot, was in a walking group, was in a strength and balance class, was going to bingo, whatever they were doing in their personal life suddenly can't do that. So it's really important to us to help people find ways to remain socially connected as well. So it's a broad booklet. Um, but for us, having the constant input and feedback from the Great Man Shoulder People's Network has been invaluable. Also, all the specialism that they have at the Aging Hub, which has been phenomenal. Beth, I mean, we sent it out this morning as the first draft. I think I've had about 700 responses about <laughs> who doesn't like what, how I'm going to level that, I don't know. But I will find a way, because there is always a way. Um, and I do love a bit of complexity. I live my life in <laughs> Um, but you know at the end of the day it's about trying to get consensus so that we find we, we all serve the same purpose and our purpose is actually to, to give people the best opportunity to stay well at home while they're there at the moment. And have you seen that picture shift over the last few weeks and are there ways in which you have to continue to adapt um, as sort of the weeks go by? I mean, I, I'm not so sure about in terms of moving, I mean physical activity, I'm, I'm Jane would be a better place to, I guess, talk about this, but is there a risk that, you know, if people have become more sedentary, is it, is it going to get harder? But certainly in terms of the range of issues that might be shifting for older people, um, as, as we've all been at home for longer, so the increasing feeling of isolation, some very practical things for older people like access to cash and, and, and lots of, there are lots of, mm. yeah, kind of newer challenges i think so i think that's what's really important about the mechanisms that we've got but trying to feed in the intelligence around the kind of the population um and what they might be experiencing so that we can think about what new or other responses might be needed mm. beth shared some information with me earlier about was it Tameside and some people being very much in contact with older people? So there are all those routes who were using the um, resources that have been put out there. So those routes to getting feedback are so important. Mm. Yeah, and I think the way we're going to continue to adapt is how we look to one monitor the impact and who's using and who's taking part and what kind of people are our messages reaching i think so for example i've reached out to all localities the aging leads um and asked for con who are they in contact with do they have a um can they give an approximation of how many people they're reaching um, and the feedback has been brilliant that those that are already attending classes whether it be with a leisure center have all been contacted supported them with super six leaflets and um, so people are are being reached in numerous ways and rather than just physical activity messages I think definitely for the more vulnerable um, people in communities um, and then obviously we've been Tracy and Ep from the Aging Hub is working on um, sort of a telephone survey with those that might not be um, digitally um, and one of those questions is going to be around sort of were you active prior to COVID and if you were what did you do how have you adapted and sort of some query have you seen whether it's you know whether we can gather information that or have received this leaflet in a care package or trying to understand who's got in what message and what people are taking part in so we can gather some feedback that way. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the university, we're in a policy research unit level that we are extensively doing lots of different types of research, feeding it into DH, but also continuing to have the voice of, of people in that, um, in all the work that we're doing to help the right type of decision making. Um, but also we've just produced a, a leaflet specifically aimed at people with cognitive diversity and um, those living with dementia, supporting people with dementia, which is going to come out quite soon. Um, so it's just kind of thinking about the broader complexities that we're living in to make 
make sure that everyone feels okay, feels supported. And in many ways, you know, the fact that we're having these projects and we're doing these things enables us to keep in touch with people because we're constantly wanting to get their opinion, their feedback. So people do still feel engaged in new ways rather than just in the old ways where we might have everybody in a room together. Um, and so I think it's kind of helping us rediscover parts of communication that we might have lost, which I think is always a good thing. Mm. I certainly share I'm an optimist like you Jane so I keep seeing all these elements as well of this I guess outpouring of love and neighbourliness and people connecting in new ways and actually some people connecting more and going back to things like telephone trees and things that maybe we forgot about um, which provide a great way of keeping people sort of um, together and and also level of empathy I mean it certainly has provided a space in which it's enabled some people to um, you know as their lives have changed to maybe identify a little bit more with what it can feel like to feel isolated to be to be at home um, what other people the realities of other people's lives day to day pre-covid suddenly has become you know a bit a step closer really to them and also I think for I've spoken to people who feel that their own aging has for the first time become present to them um, it was something that was for other people and suddenly this has brought it you know as something that they're thinking about maybe for the first time as well as for their own relatives so um feels like there's a lot of learning which can hopefully we can take forward <laughs> into what next yeah. so is there anything we've kind of focused on I guess the response and the need for current response and that you know continuing to adapt to meet different people's needs is there anything in particular you'd want to say in terms of what you're thinking about what what happens next what happens as we you know hopefully get over the the peak and start to think about what at the end of the crisis and what this means for our older population and what what we can take forward really into the future i think for, for the future of active aging obviously we until we sort of come past um this current crisis we're not really going to have an, an idea of the full impact of how it's changed behaviors so Previously, for the past two years, we've been working through the active aging programs to try and change behaviours um, and in increase physical activity. Understand the impact that this is having. Kind of look at it as a positive and say, well, actually, although the behaviour of attending a weekly walking group or attending a walking netball session, older people may have been taking the guidance those that are able to go out for the daily walk they've done before, and therefore that could be a behaviour change which carries on post COVID and people become more active that way. But again, we're not going to understand whether that that is the case um, or whether people have uh, really want to get out and get back active um, due to the contact with people. Um, we get there. I don't know what the full impact will be, but hopefully um, just trying to keep as positive as possible that we and obviously the ad adaptation to people exercising in their own home and having that information of what's important could continue and actually if it is a routine for an older person now to get up and do the super six hopefully fingers crossed that'll continue post-covid so it could have a really positive impact and it could actually be although it's a very negative situation generally it could have a really positive outcome for older people some great some potential new habits there in terms of both what it means to work out at home which for more people has become suddenly a norm <laughs> and then be more creative and inventive about what that looks like um, as well as really for those that can get out of the house it feels like such a gift now doesn't it when you do so you know that daily walk and uh, like you talked about Jane kind of just noticing things the small things the sound of birds the the blossoms we've been lucky to be graced with this gorgeous weather but those little things that can somehow you know really lift our mental and physical health in the day um which currently feel like a gift when it's only allowed once a day and how we can continue for people to treat it in that way and that become a, 
a real habit going forward. Is there anything else that yes, the one that I was going to just comment on was it strikes that struck me is about you know we need to also understand what we learn about who was able to take on those messages and who wasn't mm -hmm. um, and how that links with you know kind of aging as an experience across mm -hmm. the board so was a kind of center for aging better one of our other priorities around safe and accessible housing it is more difficult to exercise really if you're not living in appropriate say mm -hmm. accessible housing i think i'm also might just think that yeah those spaces outside are great now because they are considerably more car free the the pavements the roads they're much more accessible in many ways aren't they mm. for people um while i'm cycling along the country roads we're forever coming across couples out walking together like you say hand in hand so the built environment that we live in how is it serving our, our lives so it's kind of thinking about what we need to take from the situation that joins up across the kind of whole piece about how we all age throughout mm. life and what we need from the spaces and the places that we live in and the means also you know to do those things as well mm. capturing those stories feels so important doesn't it so we don't forget all of that yeah. forget how different it can feel at the minute and what we want to take is there anything you'd want to add jane no not really i just think this there's some great learning i'm you know hopeful that if if this does last six to eight twelve weeks typically that's when behavior change starts to actually happen and be registered <laughs> become a new habit so i'm all with beth on the super six or any other type of standing exercises them as the stepping stones into great aerobic activity mm -hmm. reinforce what you're saying about just you know that gift of getting an hour a day outside and how precious mm -hmm. that is but also thinking about you know the, the more complex issues around different people's lives and living in tower blocks and what that might be and not being mm. able to get out or and how we really need to address some of those i think already for us we're looking at future research needs what what will deconditioning look like so maybe people mm. that haven't been able to move so much how do we really enable that and and what would be a good evidence-based approach how we can equip our workforces as they return to really help people to start with a whole new way and let mm. everybody use all the facilities that are available to them in a way that is accessible so that we have tailored programs. So it's a big task to happen, mm. but I'm excited about it because I think there's lots of potential there in terms of really getting people. Doing home exercise has been one of the biggest challenges and here we did <laughs> on a plate. Fantastic. So. Well, it'll be good to come back. Let's come back together in, um, let's say a few months time and see see where we're at really and see what's continued to evolve and what's what's sticking and um, yeah. any of those stories which feel so important to keep kind of gathering really to see you know what what people are enjoying at the minute what they're getting out of it and how we can help help that going forward so um more of a personal question now <laughs> which is so for you how do you like to move and has that changed during covid lockdown who wants to take that one first? Well, I did walk the dog prior, but not as often as I am now. Uh, <laughs> any we would argue between. On then, Nicola. Uh, me, so I'm normally quite a runner, but I seem to have developed a lockdown injury in my foot. Oh dear. Uh, so that's a bit of a shame. So um, I also go to the gym and my gym has lent us equipment. So that was really good thing to do mm. early on. So I'm just having to try and motivate myself to... Mm fling that stuff around rather than be told which is what I like about going to the gym 
Um, and I've taken to riding um, my bike for the first time in months, apart from going to the train station and back. So nice little hours also ride from home on the bicycle has been really nice because it's so beautiful out there. So that's a really good habit that I'm welcoming back into my life. Fantastic. So for me, I'm a, I'm a cyclist, I cycle to work and back, but I think it's been lovely rather than just using it in an active travel sense, using it to actually enjoy the, the surroundings. So similar to what you've said, Nicola, getting out, um, an absolute bonus has been that it's PE with mum. So my kids are out on the, and I'm like, we'll do a bike ride. And so I was like, yeah, we'll do that. So PE with mum three times a week is going very well. Um, so that's been an, an, an unexpected absolute joy. Because um, one of my sons really loves cycling and actually has now found the thing that he loves and that's it's taken mm. us a long time. So that's been a real bonus. Um, and I'm doing, I've started a clinical Pilates course. I've got a long-term condition. I was diagnosed two years ago. Um, so I have very severe osteoarthritis. So I need two new hits. So I can't run. I used to be a runner. I used to love running. So now I'm kind of trying to do other types of exercises. So practicing what I preach and doing strength and balance, doing the right type <laughs> of muscle flexibility programs. And I have to say, they do work. It does work. So yeah, so I'm just doing a lot of that, which has been great. And I've been using some digital resources, which has been good. I might need to ask you for some tips, Jane, on this um PE with mum <laughs> I'm struggling to get my free to do anything at the minute <laughs> they don't want to go out <laughs> they liked cycling and running before this but now it seems to be an excuse to stay inside <laughs> barely move <laughs> but anyway I'll keep working on that one yeah. <laughs> I might be in touch <laughs> some yeah. tips um thank you all so much for your time today and just for everything you're doing and what um yeah really inspiring so i hope other people listening have taken some tips and been inspired um if anybody watching or listening does want to get in contact and find out more what's the best way for them to do that uh we have a aging hub twitter feed which is at gm aging hub probably the most public facing and beth i don't know if you have is there a specific active aging it's for uh twitter or social media um and same for greater manchester moving and our comms team will all guide any messages to to me for uh, with regards to active aging yeah, we've got a range of like twitter accounts i'm on twitter as well i'm happy for people to direct message me or contact me or even by email i don't mind i'm always happy to for anyone to ask any questions or for help fantastic well thank you very much if you've enjoyed this podcast why not share it or tell a friend about it and if you've got feedback or ideas for future episodes, please get in touch with our team at Greater Sport using the links that you'll find on our podcast page.